Our reading today on this Easter Sunday is the is the centerpiece of Paul's teaching. It may be argued the centerpiece of his teaching on the resurrection. And I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I would like to read beginning in verse 19. And I will be reading through verse 28. Would you stand for the reading of God's word? The inerrant and the infallible word of the living God. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. But when all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord will endure forever. Amen. Please be seated. As we pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I will never forget the words. I was a young pastoral intern when I first heard them. They are words that have echoed down through the decades of my ministry. My call had been that day to be 
at the bedside of an elderly gentleman and I was there holding his hand and hearing his confession of faith in Jesus Christ when he died. Of course, the medical personnel came in and I backed away, but it was evident that his spirit had left his body. His new widow, who had been in a family waiting area, was ushered into the room. The medical personnel then left, and I remained with this lady, and she was many years older than I was at the time, but she fell into my arms, her head on my shoulder, and she looked to me for an answer, though she had believed the answer, I am certain, all of her life. Death, the dark specter, the enemy of God's people had slipped in and though he had been expected, it always feels unexpected and had taken her husband from her. And through her sobbing, she asked me those words. Will I ever see him again? I thought about that time this week as I was preparing for this wonderful opportunity to speak to you from God's Word. And I thought if we were able to trace the mitochondrial line from that lady thousands of years, upon thousands of years, through the ancient past, to the Neander Valley, we will say, in a cave by a stream, we might find that 2% DNA representation of the woman I sought to comfort, holding her mate her husband, if you will, in the cave and looking up into the mysterious deep night sky and uttering an unintelligible but unmistakable grunt and groan that would say the same thing. Will I ever see him again? 
Is this all there is? Because that question, that foreboding situation, that scenario which prompts that question is as old as Adam and Eve and is as contemporary as the person sitting next to you in this place of worship this morning. It is, of course, a central theme in the Bible. We may take our question, but what happens to us when we die? Will I see my loved ones again? What happens? Where do we go when we die? We may take the echoes of all of these kinds of questions to the Bible. And especially on this day, we get an answer. And it is important, it is important that despite the fact that really each and every Sunday is Resurrection Day for the Christian, it is critically, vitally important that in following the life of Jesus, we follow all of the significant life events of Jesus Christ because those events form the very doctrinal basis of our, life, our lives as believers and none of those doctrinal events are merely academic. They are intrinsically related to living. As is the theme today. Paul picks up on this, for in 1 Corinthians, he must recalibrate the congregation at Corinth back to the central theme. Yes, there have been questions there, like there had been with the lady who came to me, what happens to us when we die? The questions are dealt with also in 1 Thessalonians. Paul deals with the question himself from a very in a very personal way in uh, the epistle to the Philippians. To be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. It's a far better thing, he says, that I go. But he said, for the sake of the work that I have here, I'm going to, I would prefer to remain with you, or I will remain with you. And he goes into this, this, uh, this essay, if you will, about life and death and what happens to us when we die. And when we piece together all of these statements, these teachings, or even isolate one of them, we come to see what Paul is teaching here, that the central truth of the Christian faith is that Jesus Christ not only entered this world in a miraculous way by virgin birth, but he left this world in a miraculous way. He ascended from whence he came 
in a human body that had be, been reconstituted in a supernatural, glorious way where there is both continuity and discontinuity. Continuity in his form and in his shape in that he was Jesus. He could be known. Discontinuity in that he could now pass through doors. He was not bound by time and space as you and I are bound by the forces of gravity and the other science, scientific forces at work on earth, cosmic laws that God himself put in place. No, Jesus Christ came into the world supernaturally and he left supernaturally. And Paul says in, verse, or in chapter 15 that at the center point of all of this, of the life of Jesus is his resurrection. And what Paul is saying is we begin to look at verse 19 and move through the dramatic statement in verse 28. Mysterious and dramatic. Is that despite the dark tomb of death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ ushers in a bright new light of new hope for our lives in dying and in living. That today and every day in our lives, but today we emphasize new hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Paul will defend this. He says if we have hope only in this life, we're, we're of all people to be most pitied. But he says we don't. And he goes on to, to shape an argument that says, no, we have new hope because of the resurrection. And that is my theme to you today. We have new hope despite whatever you're facing. New hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ, which includes the central truth, Christ who was dead and buried is raised again from the dead. And how is this so? Two ways that Paul mentions in this passage. And the first way is that we have new hope. The resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us new hope because of the coming of a new world order which is expanding. Now some of us hear the phrase new world order and we think of an international relation conspiracy, a vast right wing or vast left wing or vast center conspiracy of an alliance of nations. But this new world order that the Apostle Paul is talking about is non-political, non-military, is based on love and grace and forgiveness, the eradication of shame, the destruction 
of old patterns of self-defeat and ultimately even the destruction of death itself. And the Apostle Paul is saying that this new world order, what has sometimes been called a gospel conspiracy, is now underway and is, in fact, expanding. Jesus said it would expand in such a way his kingdom, and that is what this new world order is, it is the resurrection kingdom of Jesus Christ. He said it would expand in such a way as, as the difference between a mustard seed and a giant tree where birds come to make their nest. And so it is. Study the World Christian Encyclopedia and its statistical work done by the late David Barrett, who was a Southern Baptist who worked for the Church of England, and see the rate of conversions and mark the rate of conversions that he could gather from only empirical data from the 1800s until today and watch the steep rise in the daily conversions from 25, 50,000 to close to 200,000 people per day. Now, or the Pew Research Center, a very reputable and honorable think tank in our day that does work in all different kinds of ways, but especially in religion, and see the dramatic rise of Christianity in our own day. And we sometimes grow cynical in the West because we see the increase of secularism and even anti-Christian activity in the press or the media, various forms of the outlets of the media. But the truth is, this new world order is, is literally taking over. It is a conspiracy, a conspiracy of the resurrection that started when women went to the tomb to care for the body and learned that the only thing left there were linen cloths that should have been on the body. And their testimony, yes, the testimony of women, which in that day would not have been the testimony you would have want, wanted for your first testimony, was used almost in a reverse form to say, these women testify. We use them, these women, your sisters, your mothers, your neighbors, these, your daughters, these women saw. They were the first evangelist. He has risen. Peter and John saw. And then he appeared to them on the first day of the week when he came to them and said, peace be with you. When he walked through the the lockdown doors of despair when they were frightened. This Christ comes to you today, where you are, behind the locked doors of your fears, 
your anxious hearts about the future, your anxious hearts about your children. He comes to you with the health crisis that you are facing. He comes to you. He walks through the locked doors of despair and doom and gloom and announces new hope. That is the new world order that is expanding around the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And he goes on and and defends his statement that says, by Adam came a virus of sin, and that virus is passed down. We sin because we are sinners. But he said, just as sin came into the world, infecting not only our body, our relationships, but the very earth itself with the destructive forces that are at work that hurt us, He says, so too has come a new Adam. So too now the resurrection from the dead, the old curse has been now reversed. Through whom? Through Jesus of Nazareth. He came. He lived. He died on a cross for your sins and for mine. And he rose again on the third day. And he was seen by over 500. He's alive today. And then he talks about the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And our new hope is not only based on this magnificent faith which is spreading. It's spreading through your family, through generations of your family. Think about this church and and think about this church into the future. Children and grandchildren, spiritual great-grandchildren, if the Lord will allow this golden lampstand to be deeply planted here for generations to come, maybe in Wesley Chapel at your new home. Through the generations, it could be hundreds and thousands of human beings touched in Union County and South Mecklenburg by the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are a central player in the new world order, the gospel conspiracy of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that will not only change human lives today, but will cause the cemeteries of Union County and the surrounding areas to break forth when Christ comes again. No small thing, but there's something else. There's new hope because of an ancient cosmic vision approaching. You heard me reading the language, reading the text, and the language itself can in the English come across as complex. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet, under Jesus. But when it says all things, he's saying obviously it doesn't mean Jesus is being put under his own rule. That's what Paul is saying. But Paul gives us a glimpse. He says, no, there's there's a... This is part of a glorious cosmic vision of Almighty God. 
And there's coming a day where even the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ will be complete. Think about it as, a, as an old farmhouse and a farm, and, and there's a storm coming, and, and the, the, the parents, maybe the mother, is crying, Children, come in! And she has 12 children. And she's got six of them in, and she's still out in the rain looking, children, come in. And she finally says, oh, good, the last one is in. She knows her own. And at that point, she feels like her work is done, except to love and to nurture and to, and to be with her children and to comfort them. And Paul says... In this expanding new world order, it's going to expand to a place where eventually, through the cataclysmic inbreaking of the coming of the Son of God, all things will be put under Christ Jesus. But there's even more, Paul says. Now go beyond into eternity future, far beyond what we could imagine. And Paul says, then Jesus will hand over the kingdom himself. That God, the triune God, may be all in all. Yes. Yes, it is mysterious. But aren't the most mysterious things sometimes, oftentimes, most of the time, the most glorious? Love is mysterious. I've been trying to figure out all these years why May loves me. That's mysterious. But I sure do like it. This is a mysterious passage. But why did Paul unveil it? Because the resurrection of Jesus is the centering point of all, not only human history, but cosmic history from eternity past to eternity future. I always think of book three of John Milton, my, my great-great-uncle, okay, maybe great six times over. I must have told a story. Again, maybe I'm stretching too much. <laughs> Book three of Paradise Lost pictures the scene in heaven. Okay, they're telling me it's this. Pictures the scene in heaven where the angels, it says, went mute where the Father said, but who will die for? Who will die for them? Who will live for them? And the apple of the Father's eye, the Son, stands and says, Father, but I will go. And the angel choir went mute. From that moment, all the way to the moment where Jesus hands back over all the kingdom, all the work he's done to the Father, 
that God, that is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the triune God, may be all in all. All that is related to you and bringing you in from the storm. Bringing all the children in that they are safe and sound. When I was a boy, I remember a scene that has that has stayed with me all these years, the scene on early Easter morning of the white cassock choir and clergy being led by a little child, maybe six, seven, eight years old, holding a cross, leaving the church building, marching across the road to the church yard, that is, the cemetery. And early on Easter morning, there the little child leads them with the cross, and the choir and all of the people, maybe 15 or 20, who made it up in that agrarian community, gather and sing. Oh, victory in Jesus my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with His redeeming love. Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? You see, you and I today have a new hope that allows us to walk smack dab in the middle of the land of the dying and sing victory in Jesus and announce and transform that into the land of the living. Because Jesus said when you receive him, you pass from death to life. There's no judgment for you. Yes, all will rise and some will rise to a white throne judgment, but that will not be you. If today you receive Christ by faith, the resurrected and the living Christ, and receive him as you turn from yourself or from trusting in anything else, and receive him as your Lord and your Savior. And if you do that, you will join that little girl and her cross and all of the millions upon millions of others who stand in the land of the dying to announce there is a new world on its way. The resurrection changes everything. And that gives you new hope. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.